Welcome to My Heart Songs, podcast number 134. Thanatopia, part six, I prepare for a good death. I present the fifth of the six skills described in Thanatopia, conscious aging and a good death. The broader perspective that aging offers can be uplifting as part of preparing for a good death besides the notion of keeping my own death front and center for some daily contemplation, We'll explore together our relationship to physical pain, how to practice shadow dancing, fashion a legacy, and embrace the healing that has a hundred forms. As life continues to unfold, my journey becomes more and more comprehensible. I see more clearly into things. People love the illusion of certainty provided by predictions. Prophecy, oracles, and seeking readings from psychics have long been a part of many cultures. The modern techno-equivalent of getting a medical prognosis often thrusts one into uncertainty, whether it's the dreaded you have six months to live or the milder with chemo and radiation you have a 50% chance of a cure, one is left to ponder options with more questions being raised than answered. While getting more information and perhaps a second opinion is important, ultimately the choice about what possibilities to pursue is not always a rational decision. Both hope and fear may cloud intuition as I dance an eternal tango with the unfamiliar. Getting comfortable with its rhythms is a very useful skill. Uncertainty, as I talked about under the chapter on surrender, accompanies most dogged attempts at discernment, and the space of not knowing what to do happens so often in life one imagines everyone would get good at inhabiting it in a relaxed fashion. Obstructing life's flow, many people repeatedly respond to uncertainty with fear and withdrawal rather than curiosity and openness. I really can only get clarity about the next obvious step and take it wholeheartedly. Is it possible to remain playfully inquisitive even in the face of scary predictions? As the flow of my life moves inexorably forward, I can taste the weight and liberation of my own mortality. Imagine a phone app with a bell that rings, signaling with game show-like precision, Time's up! You're dead! It might then flash softly, Let the thought of my own death awaken me. Am I loving what I'm doing or doing what I love right now, this moment, here and now? The intransient nature of my very existence would be brought front and center, out of textbooks and artsy hints, and into my very gut. This isn't the first day of the rest of my life. It's the last day. Many years ago at a men's conference, I introduced the idea of a death token that was passed around randomly. When you received it, the request was that you separate from whatever you were doing and take some time to contemplate the feelings associated with the fact that you were now dead. Lots of profound insights were gleaned from that simple experiment. How might such reminders of my fleeting essence influence my resolve to be fully present, mindful of whatever is unfolding, instead of time-traveling between painful or pleasurable past memories and future fears or yearnings. One might use something simple, like the phone ringing, as a reminder this moment might be the last. In one recent 10-day period, I had a friend die unexpectedly, another go under the knife for surgery, yet another diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. A very close friend's tremor was named Parkinson's, and an acquaintance had a stroke. With such reminders raining down, I felt like I was dodging lightning strikes. Tis the season, a buddy jokes, part and parcel of getting older, this watching our peers succumb to various maladies. 
My sense of personal vulnerability may come and go, but the deeper truth that I am part of the group of seniors marching toward inevitable demise is readily palpable. Perhaps such moments stimulate me to get things in order, to stop procrastinating about legalizing my will in advance directors, and as such serve as more than a fearful reminder of my fate. Conscious aging requests that I learn to pause and let those moments of deep realization of my own mortality sink in. An ancient Italian proverb states, Once the game is over, the king and the pawn go back into the same box. Death is the great equalizer, and no matter one's status in life, it's inescapable. Rich or poor, famous or unknown, powerful or oppressed, anything can happen at any time. There is a certain comfort in this stark reality that despite having enormous wealth or authority, no one is immune from the suffering of a long illness or the calamity of a precipitous, unexpected passing. Is today a good day to die? Samurai awoke each morning refreshed by the thought of their own death. Warriors from many diverse cultures revered the notion that death was always present on their shoulder, informing them of the preciousness of existence while extorting them to live a principled life of honor. The warrior strives to live each day with deliberate, precise, sustained acts of courage since any action may be his last. When our life has a sense of purpose and meaning, when we regularly experience the sensation of being fully alive and can rest in deep peace and contentment, is that enough to declare that everything important is present and accounted for? Tenderly cradling cradling such moments, we can imagine that the fullness of life prepares us to die, allows us to surrender to whatever exit fate and destiny have conspired to create for us. Encouraging my own death to travel along with me today helps me listen to what it might have to teach me about living fully. If youth is a gift of nature, then surely aging is a work of art. How often do I find myself saying, muttering in fact, that youth is wasted on the young, all that physical prowess, spontaneity, and sense of playfulness and fun? How much of it was wasted in the pursuit of transitory pleasures or hitching a ride on society's idea of success, all without the consciousness to be fully present to those experiences and the capacity to embrace a larger vision, an eagle's eye view of the flow of my life. Part of the art of aging is settling into that greater awareness of mistakes, lessons learned, and the futility of living in regrets of the past or an imagined future. With the distance of years, I can see how those times when I felt so stuck were actually the preparation for the next stage of growth, how those moments I feared came and went, unfolding the way things do with both wounds and blessings. I may reminisce about adventures of my youth appreciating from an armchair how they were often quite painful and unpleasant moments that I somehow managed to survive. Aging gives me the perspective to hold my life experiences in a larger context of personal evolution and to continue to create the artistry of my own journey. Fate or destiny, you choose. Some say fate is a one-way street with destiny only offering me the chance to go left, right, or straight ahead. Others maintain I suffer and grow based on how aware I am of my own teleology. It is my own directive purpose, principles, or goals that comprise fate. 
Learning how to make lemonade from lemons or maximizing the hands of, hand of cards I'm dealt both suggest that life's path resides not in some distant prophecy or divine decree, but in the moment-to-moment power of individual choice. No matter how one conceptualizes them, fate, chance, and destiny interact in mysterious ways that influence the journey. Destiny may be formed by deeds while fate plays chess and twists even firm resolve, but the cosmic fly swatter awaits us all. One moment, basically, is all is okay. I call that before. Before everything in my world was upturned by disaster, disease, disability, or death. I hold on to life by the thread of purpose and meaning that has always guided me. If I want to reinvent our culture's relationship to death so I experience a good life until the very end, I must consciously make the effort required. I believe such a transformation begins with contemplating my own death in intimate detail. Only then can I comfortably begin having the real conversations about what I expect from loved ones, caregivers, and the medical hospital industrial complex. Advanced directives and physician orders for life-sustaining treatment, called PULSED, are all part of a paradigm shift occurring as the baby boomer wave enters the challenging times when shared end-of-life care decisions must be translated into actionable medical orders. As with many other aspects of life, the clearer one is, the more likely things will unfold the way one desires, though not always as one planned. It may be difficult, if not impossible, to decide now if I eventually want a feeding tube, do not resuscitate, or even do not hospitalize components of my care. But mulling over such considerations requires my focused attention today, even if I am only at the private introspective stage. If I really want to create an empowering final chapter, I must begin with clarifying my own perspectives. From there, I can begin to formulate a conscious strategy with loved ones and others involved in my care, using such tools as the Conversation Project or Five Wishes. As part of preparing for a good death, besides this notion of keeping my own death front and center for some daily contemplation, the rest of this chapter ex- examines our relationship to physical pain, how to practice shadow dancing, fashion a legacy, and embrace the healing that has a hundred forms. If you're interested in getting the text and providing feedback, please just let me know. Thanks as always for listening, and remember friends and family can easily sign up at myheartsongs.org.